It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Johara Tundok and Cabin. Discover the all-new Renault Arcana at Blackstone Motors that comes with a five-year warranty. Call us now to arrange a test drive or visit blackstonemotors.ie for more details. You're very welcome to Tuesday afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Did you know this? Well, I didn't until earlier today. That you know the way you would help your children... uh, get on the property ladder, uh, give them a dig out. Some people gift them money, others give them an interest-free loan or whatever. The loan thing is an issue. Do you know that? If you give them what's called an interest-free loan now to help them, uh, you could be liable for tax. You will be liable for tax under the new regime. John Lowe, the money doctor, is talking about it to us today a little bit later on. My Artist of the Week, Simon and Garfunkel. More from then. Tony Conlon reviews the marvellous Kia EV6 and we talk about electric in motoring as well. Ema McCann's with us. She's a children's party entertainer whose career began in me. Then she's a lot to say about children post-pandemic at this time, what she's discovering. If you want to get in touch with us on the show, the numbers are 086-1800-658 or 1857-15958. The first number, WhatsApp, text. The second, you can call in. We begin today with a man of the cloth who said mass and then refereed the big match last Sunday. Yes, he was the man in the middle for the loud senior county final between uh, the champions for two years in a row. Monaster boys, the Martins, winning again, beating St. Mockles in their first final. And he's on the line today. Father Derek Ryan, welcome to the show. Thanks very much. Uh, good afternoon to you and good afternoon to your listeners as well. Well, Derek, you had a pudding of a game on Sunday. So there wasn't a whiff of controversy about that penalty you gave the Martins near the end. Well, yeah, yeah, there has been a bit of chat about that, but I suppose uh, um, our, our uh, concern at the moment is for that player. Uh, he was down for a long time at the very end of the game. Yes. And, um, you know, I, I must send, send out my good wishes to him and his family uh, at this time. A very, very difficult scene, I suppose, at the very end of the game. And not a nice way to, uh, for the game to end either, you know. Uh, no one likes to see an ambulance coming onto a, a pitch at the end. Mm. But uh, I think overall... Um, it's like it's such a brilliant occasion. The the loud senior football county final. Such a brilliant occasion. Four and a half, five thousand people there. A brilliant minor match on before it. Uh, all of that, and of course history in the making with uh, Mokta's uh, reaching the final. Uh, their their first senior final. Um, but what a day for for Captain Sam Roy and his team. Um, I suppose my sense about St Martin's is that. They will, they're going to give Leinster a very good go. Mm. And uh, they'll, they'll be back to training and preparing themselves very soon now for the next game. 
they're uh, a serious outfit. You know, I've refereed them a couple of times this year already. Uh, very, they're very disciplined in the tackle. I know people uh, who go and see them. It's one thing that you, you will say about Martins. They're, they're so good in the tackle, and I think they're a team to watch uh, over the coming months. And then for for Marcus, like I, I'll be honest with you, I do know some of the players on the team. Uh, know them well. Uh, there's no doubt that, that they'll be back in the mix again next year. It's a it's a young side. It's a, a side full of talent. Uh, of course, before the game, everybody was talking about the Byrne brothers. They're they're very well known. Uh, they're always a threat. And, and I know the scoreline might suggest a one-sided game, but I, I think the Mockers actually started the game extremely well. Uh, their tackling was intense right up to the to the water break. They're, they weren't overawed by the occasion by any means. But I think in the end. You have to say it was the experience of the Martins. They they just kept on chipping away at the scoreboard. You know, it was eight points to two, I think, at half time, and then they just they just kicked on in in the second half. But mm. I have to say, a brilliant day, brilliant game, and uh, as I say, good wishes uh, to yes. to the player to the player in hospital. It's yeah. nice to mention that, but I do say Fergal real well. His record is just something else with Pats and now the Martins, and they shackled the Burns really, and they didn't have much of a say in the game. But look at you avoided me question. You said everything else you had a had it wasn't a, a difficult game to ref did you say it was or it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't, it wasn't you know what i mean no, in, in many ways no i have to say when you have two two teams that are going out to play football uh it's it's never difficult yeah it's never difficult yes just the odd, a couple of there was a black card there was a couple of yes. yellows there was a red but overall it was a brilliant game of of football yeah it was and, but I, let I, me ask you this father derek is it to do with the respect you garner from the players because you are a Catholic priest? No. I mean, they couldn't give a hoot what I work at. Not right. a hoot. It doesn't come into the equation at all. Right. I always signed, I always signed you get to a final and you have two teams that are only interested in football. That's what got them to the final in the first place. And it was, it was exactly that in, in RD. It was exactly that in Park Talton on Sunday. Teams interested in playing. And to be honest, when you're given a final, you often say to yourself, well, you know, this game will probably be one of the easier games in the season because the difficult games are always in the kind of the group stages. And I always find find myself that at the latter end of the season, coming towards the business end of quarterfinals, semi-finals, mm. finals, the real it's a real pleasure. Uh, to be on the pitch for those games because it really is about the football at that point. Yes, really good, yes. quality, intense and football, I, intense Are tactics. you saying yeah. to me, Father, that uh, they effing blind and lift you out of it at times just like they would anybody else? You know, in the heat of the moment where a fellow decision goes against them, they'll have a go at you. I treat it all different to anybody else. Right. And that's good to hear because it, it's the way it should be. Here, tell me this about you. And you're from Baconstown in County Meath. Your club is Nafina in the Royal County. This is a meteoric rise for you to referee a se- senior final because it's what only a couple of years ago you took charge of your first game in Louth. Yeah, yeah. I, start, I started refereeing a Meath in 2019, and yeah. uh, I came back from Africa, and uh, a mate of mine, uh, Niall Burke, he's here in the Nafina club as well. Uh, he suggested. He's a very well-established referee now in Mead, and he suggested that I should get involved uh, and maybe start. So I, I started. You start basically at under-13 level, and then the county board moves you up, you know, gradually. And um, I, I refereed the minor uh, minor final in, in 2019 in Park Dalton, and then uh, I started refereeing in Louth in 2020. And uh, I'll be honest with you, I got the phone call a week and a half ago when I refereed the senior senior football final in Louth. I, I wasn't expecting it. 
at all. Um, I thought it was a joke. I thought someone was pulling my leg. <laughs> um, I actually, uh, I, I had I had the person on hand free in the car. I actually pulled the car in. I was on my way into Dundalk. I said, "I'm sorry, no, but is, is this a joke? Are you, are you free?" <laughs> so um, yeah, so I, I was delighted, delighted to get the call. Um, obviously, it's my second senior final this year. Referee the, the senior hurling final in, in Loud earlier on yes. in the season, and um, so to be to be asked to do the football, uh, put a what an honour, mm. you know. Um, of course, I wore my Sean O'Mahony's uh, club badge uh, that day, you know. I'm, I'm affiliated to Sean O'Mahony's in Dundalk when I'm refereeing in Laos, affiliated to Nasina when I, I'm in Meath. And um, so it was great to have Sean O'Mahony's men around me as well on, on the day, you know. They were, they were at the post, had an Apiercic man and a, an Islanders man as well there. And it was just a great... Uh, just great, great to be involved. Yes. Wasn't, expect, wasn't expecting it at all, but uh, I, I took it with two, two hands. Yeah, no, it's a great honour to be uh, awarded the senior final. While you're on the, uh, the O'Mahony's, you must have been uh, praying for them a lot this year. They need a lot of prayers the way they're going. Well, I have to say, um, when it came, I know that they had a difficult league, you yeah. know, uh, but when it came to the championship, they, they really rose to the occasion. I actually thought they played very well in the championship. Yeah. And their uh, last week, their their juniors very narrowly beaten uh, uh, last week as well. So it's been a been a, a tough year. But actually, when we look at the championship football, uh, Dalmahni's played uh, uh, this year very very solid and very competitive. Mm, and they're in transition, and of course they're still wallowing in that great senior success a few years back when they they broke through, which was absolutely fantastic. Tell me this about you and your refereeing. Do you do you get a little bit nervous the night before thinking of the game or on the run into it or what's your modus operandi? Have you any superstitions or routines that you stick to? Uh, no, no. I, obviously, you'd be, if you're not nervous, there's something something wrong. Uh, I'd be nervous now about going to any game. Uh, mm. Minor match doesn't, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter the the occasion. Uh, I'd be nervous about going to any game, but. Um, I have to say, for for something like the final, uh, we did all our preparation in the week leading into the final, and then on the Sunday we didn't have a meeting at all. We just arrived at the pitch and we we enjoyed the day. But there there's a lot of preparation mm. that went into the final. Um, my umpires, myself, we met a couple of times. We spoke about maybe certain scenarios that that might emerge in the game and how we're going to deal with them. And you know, so it's it's a uh, it was a very professional uh, lead-in, if you like, to the game. But that then allowed us to really enjoy the day. Uh, we arrived for the minor match. We got to talk to the fans and soak up the atmosphere and got into the, the dressing room on time, you know. Um, so no real superstitions, but like I do, I do get nervous. Um, I, I, I don't sleep too well the night before. Mm. <laughs> and then I sleep very well the night of the game. Yeah, that's uh, good so, to hear. Well, it's yeah, natural. Yeah. And, the, and the bit of nerves gives you that little bit of an edge too that you need to be at your best in the middle of a game. Um watches and keeping timing did your watch ever stop a new referee in the game or do you counteract that do you wear multiple watches or what do you do yeah I wear three watches you three. know just in case one lets me down <laughs> <laughs> so you talk about superstitions I, 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 it's one of my great fears you know what happens if the watch stops so I have three I have three watches I'll be two in one arm one in the other one of my watches has GPS uh, so that tracks me uh, during the game the heart rate and distance and all that kind of thing and then the other two watches uh, fulfill two different functions because in, in uh, football now you have a, a black card so you know I have a watch to, that times the, the black card and then I have a I watch uh, the times, normal time of the game, you know. So uh, I'm sure there's referees listening and going, there's no need for three watches, one will do. (laughs) Uh, But we all have, as you said, we all have superstitions and that's that's one of mine. So I'm sure players don't know what to make of me when they see me coming on with the three watches and, you know, adding a fourth. 
<laughs> I like it, to be sure, to be sure, to be sure. And you're right, because you can never just uh, be too careful with the old timing, and it's so important. Do you ever ruminate about games when you finish, uh, when they finish up? You know, I'm sure you look at a game and you think, I've had a great game there. I'm sure there are days you think, oh, I could have done a bit better. There's, do you, do you analyse games like that afterwards, or do you just let it go? No, I think it's very important, even if, a, if you think a game has gone well, it's very important that you maybe sit down with maybe the umpires or um, what I did on, on Sunday, I rang a very good friend of mine, he's a referee in Mead, and he was at the game, and I rang him just to get a, a kind of an objective view. You know, I think it's very important that you analyse you analyze your own performance, and at the end of the day, if you want to progress in this game and you want to get better, uh, you, you need to keep mistakes to a minimum. So I always, uh, I always chat to someone after after a match, especially something like a county final. And uh, feedback is always good. But also we're assessed regularly in Mead and Lowry. We're we're always assessed, and we we sometimes we receive the, the results of the assessment by phone or maybe by email. I know some of the intercounty fellows, uh, their assessments run into six or seven pages and they receive it by email two, two days after the game. Mm. So you're always reflecting on your performance. Mm. And then especially if there's cards in the game, if you've handed out a red or a black, it's always good if there's any kind of video evidence to go back and, and watch it again and just to make sure you've, you've got it right. And, you know, like I make mistakes and all referees, you know, make mistakes. Uh, I think it's very important that you acknowledge a mistake has been made and you, and you learn from it and you move on. You know, I think that's very yeah. important. What do you reckon of the VAR in soccer? And, you know, they have the replay in rugby too. And, of course, in Croker, you have the uh, the analysis of whether it's a point or not a point in football and hurling and a few things like that round the goal mouths. What do you make of VAR? Do you see an application for it in GAA ever? I'm not sure because I get kind of annoyed with it sometimes when I'm watching Premiership football and the yeah. games are being, being held up. Someone said to me recently that you know the average rugby game now runs into 100 minutes uh, given the, the amount of stoppages and the need to go back constantly to, to video video analysis. So I'm not sure how well it would work in Croker and All-Ireland Final Day, for example. You know, you're stopping and starting and going up to maybe um, match officials upstairs who are looking at videos. I'm not sure how well it would work. But certainly, um, you'd be very impressed with Hawkeye. And uh, I think it works really, really well. And I think in many ways, uh, it can it can be a great, great, a great benefit to the to the umpires that, that call upon it, you know. So I'm absolutely 100% behind Hawkeye. I'm not sure. I think maybe that's a question for someone like David Goff or David Goldrick, these boys that are on the national panel. Maybe they'd have a better sense of what's needed at that level. But for me as a spectator, I'm not sure I'd like to see it come in. Earl Louise wants to know, did you ever finish up Mass early to cater for people to go to a match? Well, you ask any of my parishioners Sunday morning, they'll tell you that half ten mass they celebrated was over fairly quickly. <laughs> a lady said to me outside, she said you wouldn't feel the winters coming in with masses like that. You know, she she um, I, I hopped into the car. Uh, I was in RD by I think it was in RD by quarter to twelve on on uh, Sunday. And that's after a half ten mass. So that was good, that was good going, you know. Good going. But uh, I have been known I have been known uh, to get a little <laughs> bit of cover from time to time, especially if I have a game down the country. As a very good uh, curate 
in the parish, Father Delahunty. And the great thing about him is he's a Kilkenny man and he's a mad hurling man. And whenever I say to him, listen, I need cover on Sunday of a game in such and such a place, he, he lets me off. So, uh, uh, well, the Redemptorists uh, in all of this, uh, as people know, I'm, I live in the monastery there in, in Dundalk. Uh, the Redemptorists have been very good and supportive of my, my refereeing career over the past while. So uh, I have to, have to give them great credit. Oh, it's great to hear. Look, just before we finish, you know, you mentioned there analysing games, thinking about decisions. In your book, uh, Father Derek, what do you reckon one or two essential traits uh, a referee must have? What What do you need? I often say that common sense, in my opinion, is a big uh, part of, of the job. But what do you think as the man in the middle with the whistle in charge? Uh, I think what's really worked well for me uh, has been uh, the ability to communicate with the player on the pitch during match time. So the, your, your, your ability to explain your decision clearly uh, using the, the language of the rule book. And in my opinion, situations on the pitch can be diffused very quickly if you can explain why you're giving a free and explain it in one sentence very clearly and then move on. And I think that's all players are looking for. They're looking for a little bit of respect back from, from referees. And um, that's worked really well for me over the past over the past couple of years. So that ability to... To be able to run <laughs> and run hard in a game and at the same time as you're passing by a player who's giving out to you, listen, this is why I made that decision. You know, And uh, often uh, in, in many situations that has, that has helped me greatly. And secondly, uh, I would say common sense plays a big role in refereeing as well. Yeah, I have to agree with you. You made a very good point there. There's nothing worse than the dictatorial referee who doesn't really explain and just lays down the law and takes that attitude of them. And what you do there is uh, to be commended indeed. Well, listen, well done to you. As I said, it is a meteoric rise. You handled the game really well on Sunday. Many people, loads applaud. It's going your way as well from all quarters, Father Derek. And good luck to you with the refereeing career and everything else in the future, your ministry and all else besides. Thanks very much and thanks to your listeners. God Thank bless. you indeed. Take care of yourself. That's Father Derek Ryan there from the Redemptorist in Dundalk and in charge of the Loud County Final on Sunday and he did a real good job. He really did. There you have it. They don't care about the collar when he's on the field. The abuse flies left, right and centre. That's the way it works. All the heat of the moment in sport. It is something else. Late lunch, LMFM radio. Stay with us. We're back in a moment. We still have people coming to us about the cures we were talking about yesterday. Shane, we'll be back to you. Yes, we do know somebody who has a cure for sciatica. RD is the uh, area you'll find the person. we let you know about that in due course. Does Father Derek swear at games himself, says Amid Fan. I'm sure he is an owl. Blast under his breath now and again. She wouldn't be human if he didn't. These only came to me after he left us on the show. Hi, Jerry. Can you ask the ref what he thinks of the countdown clock? I like the countdown clock. I think it's a good idea. It's more clear and uh, on the money from my point of view. He's gone now. We can't ask him. That's my opinion for what it's worth. Jerry, it was €20 into the final in Loud. What a disgrace. I was at the Down Senior final. It was £8 sterling. What a difference. Why is that, says a listener today. Now, my next guest is 17 years working with children as an entertainer. She set out on her own in 2009, forming Little Laughs. It's a great name, isn't it? And it all began at a horse show in County Mead. It did indeed, didn't it, Emer McCann? It did. Hi, Jerry. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Not at all. Tell us about that uh, day when it yeah. all started. You were only a youngster at the time. 
I was only young, yeah. I had face pains. I can't really recall why, but um, I was always a little bit arty and I had so many younger cousins and I used to practice on their faces and it wasn't bad, you know. I could do what I could do. Um, so I made up this board with all my face paints on it and went to the Beliver Horse Show. <laughs> my <laughs> mum was on the committee and I had a pound of face and I sat there face painting all day and I left with about 50 pounds and I thought, jeez, you know, this it was all right, you know, that was a good, that was a lot of money. Um, so I, I kept it up, needless to say, and did it as a sideline. And I used to always, um, you know, do little jobs for different companies. And it just, yeah, here we are, 17 years later, still doing it. Actually, more than that. Oh, gosh, I don't want to say show my age now, but I'm... Yeah, I'm doing it a long time. Yeah, oh no, don't do that because I was going to just put one and two together and make 30 or 40 or something. You know that way, but look, we're not going to do that today. You're you're well experienced in the business. In fact, I take it that you you have a team of people now work with you in in the business. Yeah, I have some wonderful entertainers actually, mostly teachers. Mm. They're they're great, they're brilliant with kids, they can, you know, handle the parents, they they know everything. So their teachers are great actually and um, so most of my entertainers would be teachers that do the private house parties for me. Mm. And then, of course, there's subcontractors that I would use all the time for face painting, balloon modelling, glitter tattoos. And that would be the corporate side of the business. Mm. And they would invoice me as a subcontractor and mm. I pay them directly. Mm. So, mm. yeah, that's great. Now, corporate obviously has been gone for the past 18 months, but not forever, I hope. It's on the way back, and please God, we will weather the storm that we're going through at the moment. I take it you lost most of the children's parties as well with lockdown, so yeah. that wasn't a runner either, was it? No, not at all. We lost everything, yeah. really. And sadly, I had actually just opened um, a venue in Santry, and I had <laughs> put a lot of money into a, a unit there, and we were hosting the parties, and it was all wonderful for six months. And then, unfortunately, COVID hit and it wiped the whole lot. Now, my landlord was amazing. Carlsberg landlord, he was fantastic. So he was brilliant. Um, But then my lease was up in April 21. And at that point, everything was just so uncertain. Mm. I I had to pull the plug on the lot. Uh, So that was unfortunate. But yeah, kids' parties, everything, christenings, everything. And it was funny because at the beginning of the pandemic, we were saying, look, we'll push it out two weeks and... We're pushing out three weeks yes. and then we quickly realised actually no mm. let's cancel everything. Yeah. So yeah, it was it was unfortunate but mm. I knew it wasn't going to be forever and then we were able to do a small number of parties in September twenty one and then quickly the numbers spiked back up again because schools were reopened so everything stopped again. So it was very stop and start and it was unfortunate for kids as well because parents were booking and I was actually saying to parents my advice would be not to tell them because it's very likely that this yeah. might have to be cancelled. Mm. So a lot of them were doing that to avoid disappointment. Um, but yeah, then of course after Christmas numbers were high again. But since June this year we've been steadily going. You're flying. You are flying yes. since then. and, ah, it's, and great, yeah. it's great and I hope it continues too as well. There's always rumours and mumblings in the background with case numbers but look at, I think it's yeah. becoming more apparent that uh, this is something we will have to live with. Take as many uh, safety precautions as we can with the vaccinations, this uh, new uh, antiviral drug that's on the way and, and you know the hands and face yeah. and all that type of thing. So please God we will be able to get through this without the severity of what we've experienced in the past. I'm laughing to oh. myself uh, 
I couldn't yeah. agree with you more about that thing. We'll be all right in six weeks, six months, yeah. a year. Oh my God. And here we are nearly two years later and nearly in the same boat. But anyway, not quite. Anyway, um, one thing I was to say to you about, uh, you know, resuming and it getting going again for you from June of this year. Have parents gone book mad maybe and, you know, really splashed out if children missed a party, say, last year? Yeah, a little bit. Like, not crazy, crazy, but definitely there has been a lot of, I really want to make it extra special this year. And I get that. I have two kids myself, and one my daughter's in April, and so she kind of missed two birthdays. Um, uh, so you have got that where parents are not not necessarily going really big that they're having lots of kids. We've only had, I think, two over 15 parties, children attending. Right. But what they've been doing is, we do a lovely luxury picnic, so it's gorgeous, and it's, the setup is beautiful, it's a lace tent, and it's a table, it's gorgeous. But they want that, plus the arts and crafts party, or our tie-dye party, or the other day I set up a teepee party for somebody, and then they got me back that evening to do slime with the kids, which has never happened before. So <laughs> yeah. you're seeing that little trend where parents want to make it a bit extra special for yes. them this year. And, and, and you it know, has been hard on kids. I get that because yeah, yeah, because it's been a tough time for them too. And I'm going to come on to that in a moment. But yeah. that's just to give a feel for it. Those you've mentioned there are but a sample of what you do: theme parties, different events, mm. the colouring, the faces, you name it. It's the the sky's <laughs> the limit. Adding. Yes, <laughs> the tie dye party is a new one. We just added that this year. So that's really popular. Where we would go and show the kids a variety of tie dye T-shirts that we've one we've made earlier mm. and the kids will pick what design they want and we help them get their t-shirts ready and then we do glitter tattoos on them music dancing stuff like that and then we do slime parties arts and crafts tp slumber party very popular mm. we've been doing that about four years and um, we were the first person to do it actually in the south of ireland um but that's hugely popular mm, um and it. then of course we do puppets and magic but not as much now yeah um we tend to like the slightly older girls there. Yes, they're, yes. And, and and tell me this, boys versus girls, is there a difference? Are the young fellas harder to handle? Oh, they are. They're lovely, but they're just... <laughs> I have one. I have one. I can't like them too much, but they're... Look, you know, boys can be just busy. And um, mm. they're just... Yeah, they're just a little bit busier. But with the five-year-old parties, we do a puppet and magic party. And yeah, certainly the boys stand out a little bit. You know? mm. <laughs> like, a spade, a spade, but look, they're only kids, they're only playing, and they just tend to be a little bit more boisterous, but there's no there's no badness in them. Yes, and do you see the personalities? Can you see the leaders? Can you see the ones who demur, who are quiet, and all else in between? Is that apparent uh, in your work? Yeah, it is, to be fair. Um, yeah, like the other day, actually, I did a party, and the birthday child was very reserved, and she was very quiet, and a couple of her friends were full of beans and we're chat 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 so in that instance you just have to make sure that you direct questions to the birthday girl or to another child that's mm. a little bit more reserved because yeah certainly there's bigger personalities that would always stand out everywhere and you know that doesn't change even in adulthood there's yes. bigger personalities so yeah. yeah you certainly see it with children and some of them are just very confident um mm. You know, so you yeah, feel, no, you definitely do see the difference. Do you feel in the time you're doing it, when you mentioned the number of years that you're at this, that you've mm. seen uh, a confidence build, a change in Irish children? Slightly. Um, yeah, you would a little bit with what they want. You know, it's very specific. You know, you could be doing a glitter tattoo on a child and 
there are, you know, I want gold there and that bit blue. And no, I don't want purple. I don't like purple. And I want that pink. And so they can be very specific with exactly what they want. And that's something that I think has developed over the past five, seven years, maybe. Mm. Um, whereas I think kids were, well, see, kids nowadays, they get so much. And a lot of these things are new, all these trends. And slime is new. And, you know, art and craft parties is new. And there's, there's lots of new activities that kids get. So the variety is out there and the choices are out there. Yes. So I think kids just have a, <laughs> you know, they've very specific taste in what they want. Yeah, they, they, they know more what they're about and what they want. What about technology? Is it a rule of your parties that they can't have their heads stuck in their phones or is technology part of parties today? It has to be. No, do you know what? It really isn't. Actually, just very few parties that I see a phone. I, I could count on one hand how many times I've seen a child with a phone. Yeah. Now, our kind of cut-off point for entertainment-wise would be 10, 11, and that's kind of our tie-dye party. Mm. We can still catch them at that age, but no, like one, actually, last week, I think I looked at one of the kids and I said, what are you doing? And she had her phone, and I said, what are you doing with your phone? Put that away. But it was only, a, like, you know, we laughed and it was gone and that was it. But that, I can't remember the last time I saw a child with a phone at a party. I'm delighted to hear that. You've renewed my faith <laughs> in humanity today, even by telling me that, yes. because it just shows you children should be children, use their imaginations, enjoy and oh, participate. I'm always saying that for the kids and I'm always mm. saying that particularly to the older girls. I say, don't be in a hurry to grow up. You will be old like me too quickly and you oh, come on out of that Emer McCann you're only a young one don't be playing the violin for me here today I know, but yes you know, I know what you're saying in such a hurry to pass your teens and they want to be older yes. and I just remind them don't be in a hurry enjoy being young yes. because you can't go back so true and don't wish your life away live in the time you are and at the age you're at and enjoy it that applies right through life the reason you know we're we're talking today to you is this is an interesting thing because you move a lot uh, in the space with children as you say up to what 10 11 years of age or such and you've been quoted as saying that you notice a difference and 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 you alluded to it a few moments ago there to say you know the quietness of some children etc you see a difference post-pandemic. Can you put your finger on it? What is it? You know, it's just... Children suffer with anxiety and a lot of children need that social interaction. They need routines, they need structure and they need school and they need their friends. And unfortunately, with the pandemic, it's just homeschooling, possibly an only child or in people that are out of their environment... It certainly made them regret. And a lot of parents have said that to me, that their children have been struggling socially and finding it hard to get back into the rhythm of school and friendships. And one party we did recently, I'm so happy the girl did it because the mum had said, oh, she really doesn't want one. And she just said she just wants to forget her birthday. Anyway, she went and she did it. And she had an art and crafts party and she invited and seven or eight of her friends from school and she had the best time and her mum was so relieved just to see her being a normal child having her birthday party but definitely the anxiety levels were there for her which is very sad and I'm hearing that a lot from parents Would I be overstepping the mark to say that Mm. the fussy parent could be the most difficult aspect of your job? Yeah, I 
But, you know, honestly, 95% of the parents we meet are fabulous. And I've created great friendships from them. Some parents, I think, have a different level of anxiety when they're planning parties. And to be honest, I don't exactly host them very well myself. And when I'm having people over, I'd be a bit <laughs> flappy and, you know, trying to get everything. And some parents just take it in their stride. They have, yeah, grand, everyone's here and there's no issues. And then other parents... Or they want to know every minute of what we're doing. But to be honest, Jerry, that's what we do. I say to them, look, if you're doing a party from two to two to five, we will arrive at, you know, we'll kick off for half two, but we'll be there from two to set up. So I'll be there, the music's there, I'll be chatting and meeting the kids as they're coming in. Then we'll do X, Y, Z. So I lay it all out. I say, you can feed the kids at this time. Don't forget this. I give them tips. And you can feel the sense of, okay, their shoulders are coming down, they're starting to relax and they know that we know what we're doing and there's a rhythm. There's going to be a bum, bum, bum agenda and it's all set out for the three hours and they're happy. (laughs) You leave nothing to chance. I know this and it's so reassuring to hear that. I'm just thinking no pressure for your own two when the birthday parties are on. Has to be the best in the country or else, Mammy. That's what everyone said, but that's like a mechanic. They always drive the worst cars. And honestly, my kids don't want me. I said to my daughter, what would we do for your birthday? And now it didn't happen because COVID hit. But I said, what would we do for your birthday, for your fourth birthday? And she said, oh, well, I'd like to go to Funky Monkeys. <laughs> it's like a play centre. Yeah. And Mammy's work, because at that point I had the venue in Santry. And I said, oh, you can only pick one. And she looked at me and she very sympathetically said, Okay, well, I'll go to your work another time then, okay? <laughs> Very <laughs> diplomatic. Oh, so, you know. Now, she might want to be when she's older because yes. I think that might be a little bit cooler, but I'm probably yeah. just not cool enough for them yet. Indeed, <laughs> you are. Anyway, look at you doing great stuff, and I know people love you and uh, continued success to you, and I'm delighted to hear that the world is opening up. But a message to parents today do uh, take cognizance of the time we've been through and the effect it's had on your children that's an important message today little yeah. laughs little, little laughs dot ie creating, yes little laughs dot ie all about creating memories isn't it Jerry it certainly is and yeah. I've enjoyed and I will have this in my memory for a while today Aww, my conversation well, with you so. <laughs> thank you for joining me Emma Thanks for having me. Not at all. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's Emer McCann there, children's party entertainer. And she looks so much sense spoken by that wonderful lady there. Yes, don't wish your life away is another important message. Christy Moore and Ordinary Man on your late lunch this Tuesday afternoon, 1985, 36 years ago. And it's still as relevant today, isn't it, as the first day that song came out and Christy going strong still and we wish him well. Birthday parties, Louise. What's your modus operandi with birthday parties? Mm-hmm. Were you one for holding parties for your children at home or did you go somewhere for the party? I tell my kids they're leap year babies. <laughs> <laughs> Her birthday's once every four years. <laughs> I love it. Ah, oh, you're a bloody grouch. I knew it. The poor children. No, you're only joking me there now. Come on. Yeah, I'm saying there's people would love to have leaky oh, birthdays. Yeah. I really do. Out or home, did you, do, did you do a combination um, of both? Well, see, my kids are born in March and November. Yeah. So 
they always want the bounce castles and oh. that weather I think it snowed one day oh desperate um, so we used to go to the kangaroo club or, yes. and they're all kind of closed so you'd now, go so. out and invite children to meet mm. there would you no yeah. I have to say with my two when they two, were littler yes well with my two uh, we used to always have the birthdays in the house and the friends would arrive and they'd wreck the joint yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they'd all go home <laughs> but sure, that was it you let them do what they wanted to do and we had January and December you see you see what I mean yeah, they were same as. Uh, that time mm. of year um, and we, we've hosted a couple of birthdays for Miss Ava Flynn in our back garden the uh, last one was a bouncy castle 2019 at this stage the poor mm. little thing she hasn't had a party you know 2020 2021 in March either <laughs> I remember the last one a friend of hers arrived late about an hour late for the party anyway she got some of it towards the end but there was a mix up in times you've know, had that terrible. mix up haven't you yeah yeah Pearl Cohen he was I was only about 4 or 5 when we got invited to a party in the Kangaroo Club and he was so excited and present and everything and arrived and all the kids were together and he ran over with the present and the the mother kind of looked at me and went actually they're all going home <gasps> my heart went out the party was, was over you see that's why you have something in common with Father Derek Ryan our first guest today <laughs> you need three watches <laughs> I definitely need an alarm yes. going off somewhere yes, anyway. Yes, you do. The poor young fella and the birthday party. And over. I know my youngest kind of missed his for the last two years with mm. COVID. So he mm. had nanny. And before that, he was a bit young. So next year will be his probably first, please God, birthday as such. He can so invite people. So you've had the leap year because of COVID, you see. Yeah. You've been able to, but oh, it's shocking so for I'm them gonna, that's, uh, that, who've missed it. You know, because yeah. the little party, they love the day and it's yeah. a special day for them. It really, really is. I think, I think I'm going to try and persuade him and whatever little friends that come over that it's going to be a cleaning party. What do you think? <laughs> we get away with it. <laughs> Here's a brush. Here's a hoover. And you all think she's lovely. They all, <laughs> is Louise lovely? As in she just lovely? She's going to have a party when the children clean the house from top to bottom so she doesn't have to do it. Now you have the real Louise coming out here. You do indeed. Spent three months growing cobwebs for Halloween. (laughs) Ah, you're the best. You're the best. Yes, and Blackstone leads us nicely into our regular motoring segment and joining me as usual is Tony Conlon. Hello, Tony. Hi, Jerry. Great to have you with us again today. Now, Tony, I'm jealous of you. Sure, I'm always jealous of you with the range of cars you have the opportunity to drive. But I, we're going to talk today first about the star of the recent Drogheda Motor Show, the Kia EV6 fully electric crossover. Tony, you've been behind the wheel. What do you make of it? Yeah, I, I lived with it for 24 hours, Jerry, and uh, I saw the pulse models from all over their dealerships from all over Ireland to get the press into them and all this as early as possible and I, I just looked look Jerry, I, I'm a little bit more reluctant than some of my younger motor and writer colleagues to submit to kind of the notion that the combustion engine car should be a thing of the past by 2030 but there's no doubt at all about it, I accept this I'm a little bit more wary about it, I accept this one. there's something going to happen there alright there's going to be an increase in electric sales, that to be no doubt at all about and if you have cars like the EV6 from Kia this the likes of this model is going to pave the way. Now, you might say it's an awful price. No, do you know what? When you compare it with some of these American versions, we won't go into two big names of them, it starts off at 50 grand. The one you really want is 54, 3, 4, 5. It's 528 to 506 of a range on its electricity, and it's pure, pure, beautiful look. It is, Tony. It's a sensational-looking car, I have to say. So, 300 miles plus in the base model. You're saying it is a higher range, has it in the GT line? 
Uh, there's a range difference, Jerry. Five two eight versus uh, five oh six for the GT. Like, okay, very very little. Like, oh, very little. So the range, the range, it, it, it has a very good range. So what you're saying is, with this car, when you charge it, you have a very very decent range. Now, uh, when you say fifty thousand for the base model, that is a lot of money, and that's including all the grants you're entitled to in this country. Right. It's, it's dearer okay. than that. So you're going to fork out fifty thousand euro for this car. It's a huge difference when you look at it, say, uh, diesel or petrol counterparts. There's a big gap, Tony. There is a gap, Jerry, but there is no diesel uh, counterpart EV6. Like It's a standalone, yes. basically yes. beautiful, modern design vehicle. And they have received 200 pre-orders on it. Yep. I'd say the whole problem is going to be trying to get them, really. But but on, on saying that, on saying that, there, there is a gap. And, you know, like... There's a, there is a gap there, okay, but it's so distinctive, Jerry. It's, yeah, it, it, it makes such an impact on one. It's it's, it's a modern impact, both inside and out. Like, even with the twelve point three inch twin seamless curved screens and the dash, like, and it does not. It's not minimalistic either. There's still buttons there, and I'm glad to see that from a safety perspective too. The one is now taking rise off the road for touch screens. Uh, there's. All the power in the world, like the, the 168 kilowatt, that's 225 brake horsepower wow. horse twin. Mm. You know, the thing people are missing out on electric cars is, and they really want to touch the button on this one, they are extremely fast. Mm. They are extremely fast. Like, I, like most electric cars could pull alongside traffic lights. You could have a traffic light Grand Prix against any, many, many or any hot hatchback and the electric car was in sport mode will knock the socks off it. Okay, that's so what, there's... That's what people want to be kept, uh, yeah. reasonable about and, and watch out for, you know? Yeah, so there's there's no uh, compromising on power. It can hit the, the high numbers on the clock once you're within the speed limit wherever you're driving. It's a cool-looking car. It has the power. It has all the technology, as I said. If there was one thing you were to say about the EV6, uh, uh, would it be that... Uh, Back of the car, backseat passengers or whatever, the headroom, if you have tall passengers, it's sleeky, you see. It dips down at the back, doesn't it? it? Yeah, it, it, there's a sloping roof on it, all right, Jerry. And be truthful with you, while I did sit there, I'm not the tallest in the world. Well, I did, I didn't, like, it could have been imaginative about it. I didn't think it was going to be very restrictive. What I thought about it was that it's a very substantial beautifully designed car mm. and uh, when I say substantial like it's 520 to 1300 litres of boot space now that's enough to go to any golf club and bring your bring mate yes. with you uh, there's it, there's a difference there and the difference the diff- big difference is range and style and it's when you hear people saying uh, it's a crossover Jerry of course it's mm. uh, while the likes of Tesla is a saloon and when you hear people saying uh God, it's 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 beautiful. Or I'd rather it was buying it. I would buy it maybe before a Tesla. That's kind of saying something too. Like you know, yes, so yes, it's, yes. it can charge the battery from ten to eighty percent, Jerry, in about eighteen minutes. That's another aspect of it. But they're you know, they're, they're they're the plus factors. Like the electrics are getting better. Let me know what they were all about. Mm. Cupra, who was part of the SEAT group, introduced the Cupra Earth yesterday left-hand drive ones come over from Barcelona and they will have a range from about 428 to over 500 also based on the ID3 Volkswagen but let me tell you the Spanish are very good at doing style and they've done a fantastic job also in style in this car but let's go back to the EV6 it's going to open the doors it's going to get a lot of people into electric and you know 
I was in a I was in a shop there recently, and we're looking at power tools and this sort of thing. And the mount, I felt like it might be a little bit hesitant, but change to electrical and all that. I know what's going to happen. And there is a little bit of hesitation, Jerry. Is my background is two there's two mechanics in the Condon family, so does. And we we got many of me was put on the table like from working on diesel and working on petrol. And I'm just a little bit frightened uh, that someone can draw a line and say that there's going to be no petrol new sales, no diesel new sales for twenty thirty. And the reason I'm frightened about this is that I'm wondering is a thought going into it. Like, it's after taking little countries like Ireland a hundred years, Jerry, a hundred years to get 2.2 to 2.3 million voters. That's our car park. Mm. How are we going to get another million in within eight years? Maybe we will. Maybe the government will do Santi every week of the year for us and give us a heap of grants and everything. That's another interesting factor. And I hear where you're coming from as well. And it brings me back to the point that I made there. And it might have got a lost a little in, in our conversation. The point I was making was this, Tony. I was sitting down working our little equation here. If you had, you know, the, the let's take the EV6 at 50,000, right? And a similar type car you look at in a diesel, maybe a one-year-old diesel or something like that, or even a new one, or if you go the petrol route either. And say, Tony, you spend 100 to 120 euro... Uh, in fuel, in a, you're not a mad, you know, driver. An average 120, 150. Let's say 150 a, a month on fuel, and you multiply yes. that out over the year. You know what I mean? Yes. And yes. you look at the differential in price to go fully electric or stick with the diesel. You're going to stay with the diesel, Tony. Well, as a fellow used to say years ago, Jerry, like 500 pounds, or the way back pounds then, for a thousand pounds, would buy an, an awful lot of diesel or petrol. You know, mm. so it's, it's very valid what you're saying there. The whole thing about it is people need to tread tread very carefully. Can I give you another very interesting little bit of information? Mm. And it came from a colleague of mine. He's a website called Wheels and Fields. And I asked his permission could I use it because I think it's a great bit of research. If you take uh, an average SUV, an average SUV plug-in hybrid, right? And he, he, he's done the exercise in this because he weighed. He weighed them. And... There's a 400 kilo difference. Now that's 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 something like eight bags of 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 uh, what do you call it, meal or whatever, or or 16, 25 kilo bags of of spuds of coal or something that you're constantly carrying around as an extra weight factor due to batteries and motors and everything else. So there's research and everything, and I, I keep saying it's just people. Do your research. Do your research. Uh, you can, couldn't do enough of it. That, that's taken the curb weight now, Jerry. 400 different kilo between a plug-in, a plug-in hybrid, and the equivalent two-liter diesel version. Mm. So you're carrying a lot of extra weight there in the plug-in. That's something one wants to know. Okay, so that's know. that's another aspect to it. What, what I would say, Tony, is the EV6, as you say, it's a beautiful car. You give it a great recommendation as well. It's fully electric. It's expensive. The point I'm making, going back to you and Christmas gifts from the government, if they're serious about migrating 850,000 or having 850,000 more electric vehicles on the road in Ireland, as you say, by 2030, that's the aim of the game now, they surely are going to have to incentivise people because of the, the equation I did there in terms of when you look at a diesel or a petrol as against an electric to make this migration, Tony. That's number one. You're going to have to help people to get there because who the hell can afford a 50,000 you know, euro car? And secondly, Tony, we've spoken about this for years. You mentioned the quick charging on the EV8 and it is great. 18 minutes, not to 80% on the specialised chargers. At home, it will take a lot longer, but you'll have that point to do it overnight. We haven't yes. got the network of charging either yet, Tony. 
No, we don't, and we have some privatised ones that would cost you as much as a tank full of diesel to, to charge your car, and they're the ones you want to watch out for too. But I, I suppose the, the simplest thing to say here is, you heard what our programme started there with an advertising from, from uh, Blackstone on, on the Zoe. Yes. The Zoe, the, that Zoe is mid-twenties, uh, yeah. mid-twenties uh, electric car. Like they, they're starting. To, that's that's a good price, and mm. then you have the Hyundai, and then you have the little art with all the grants. It's going to be about thirty-one. It's not a little art. It's it's the Cooper art. It's, yes, it's a standing looking car. But it's. I totally agree with you in all this. It's to tread carefully, and like I don't want anyone out there. Well, think what they like really. But I I I'm, I'm pro such a thing because I'm worrying about the cost. I'm worrying about if things will eliminate how young people will will pay this, these costs, will will, mm. will buy these cars. And I'm yes. saying young people because they're the ones that need to go to work. Indeed, some are working at home, which is then they won't need a car at all, a bike will do. But but uh, if if they're there and then they have to buy these cars, I don't want to see. I want to see a good solid discussion and talk and research. I know we're gone way down the road here, and car companies have invested billions and millions. Of yes. And uh, and once they keep doing that, things will get better and the journeys will get better. But the infrastructure is absolutely so relative, Jerry. Mm. So relative that we have an infrastructure and proper bylaws. That like I'm after to go down there twenty minutes ago and seeing a car that's not electric, not electric for half hour ago, parked in a, an electric charging point. Yes. Now that's that's, that's nonsense. Wrong itself. Yeah, it's it totally wrong. Not it's nice. totally wrong. And look at. We know this is the way the world is moving and it has to happen. But it has to happen in a way that people can afford, that the network are there to charge them and that the migration happens over a period of time that it can happen and people can move and test out this new technology and enjoy it and see what it's like as you have as well and migrate in in that fashion towards it. There's a lot of talk, there's a lot of actions, there's a lot of things to happen before we'll see the day, as you say, Tony, when there's nearly a million uh, electric cars on the roads and you're talking about you're right seven years time eight years time it is a short time frame in the context of the nation but to finish today Kia EV6 get your thumbs up yeah there's no doubt about there's a place for it out there and, and there's a lot of people will adapt to it and, and uh, will we'll move in that direction because you're looking at eight years warranty on a battery there you're looking at seven years warranty on an electric car itself you're looking at a modern styling beautiful build quality uh, and I know you're, I'm here promoting 50,000, 50,000, 54,000 of a car. Yeah. But that's the fact of the matter, Jerry. That is the fact. There's people out there that will spend that money. Yes. And mind you, an awful, an awful lot more. Mm. Oh, yes. Mercedes and Audis mm. and all this. Mm. It will go astronomically more. Yeah. So that, that's that's really it. The only thing I'd like to finish off and say is that that I, I'm not I'm not convinced that the science is not there, that the brilliant professors are not there, that the scientists are not there to say that diesel can be made cleaner and petrol can be okay. made cleaner. All right, Tony, we leave it at that today. Thank you so much for joining me on the show. Always enjoy your company. Very welcome, Jerry. Take Thank care. You. Tony Collin there, our motoring man. Jer says she's sticking with diesel for as long as possible. Another Opel insignia on the way, hopefully. Even if she won the lotto, she'd stay with diesel for the time being. Thanks indeed for that, Jer. Uh, Peter's been on to us to say, what about uh, the whole issue of rapeseed oil uh, and uh, using it in place of diesel? Uh, there's a lot going on in that area too, Peter. And I see where they've flown a plane on vegetable oil or refined vegetable oil or re-engineered. I'm sure rapeseed oil could be used in in, uh, in place of the diesel. Thanks for that. And while on the subject of oil, Mart has been on to say... 
Do you know of any chip shop in the Drogheda area? I'd say this applies all around, not just to Drogheda, where staff wear face masks so I can't see their nostrils or have them wear the mask around their chin. I love my chip supper, Jerry, but this is really putting me off, says Martin. There's another oil related. Thanks indeed for the message. Yes, if you wear the mask, cover your nose and make sure your mouth is covered too. Mary's been in touch to say there's no water in the Ratmullen Park area of Drogheda for the last number of hours. Does anybody know what's going on? Can you help her? 1850 If anyone can shed light on that for us, we'd appreciate it. Now, Simon and Garfunkel are my artists of the week and following the phenomenal success of The Sound of Silence, their record label pressed them to bring out an album of the same name, which they did in January 66. And despite the fact that it became a success yielding hits like Homeward Bound and I Am A Rock, the duo were never happy with it because of its rushed nature. They then took almost a year to put together the next album called Parsley, Sage, Rosemary and Time, which they were much happier with and it was successful too. However, it would be two more years before album number four appeared in 1968 for a couple of reasons. You see, the boys were busy touring. They were in such demand. Everyone wanted to see them. But most critically, Paul Simon, believe it or not, experienced writer's block during this time, causing alarm bells to ring at Columbia Records, as most other artists at the time produced two or three albums in a single year. Incredible, wasn't it? From late 66 to early 1968, the new album Bookends was recorded in fits and starts before being released the day before the assassination of Martin Luther King in April. Despite the turmoil that followed in American society, the new album made number one and stayed there for seven weeks and remained on the US album charts for 66 weeks. It was the best-selling album with the lead single uh, named Record of the Year, one of five by Simon and Garfunkel from the soundtrack of the movie The Graduate. Yes, today, it's Mrs. Robinson. Mrs. Robinson, Simon and Garfunkel, my artist of the week on Late Lunch this week. Ah, timeless classic, isn't it? More from the boys and about them tomorrow on Late Lunch Roundabout this time. Mary, we have word for you on the water situation in Ratmullen Park. Apparently it's off until six o'clock while they're repairing a leak there. Thanks for that information, Shane. Appreciate it. So you won't have water, but you will have it back. Please God, from six o'clock this evening. He must have thought I'd fallen out with him. It's that long since I've had a word with John Lowe, the money doctor. Hello, John. Hello, Jerry. Good afternoon to you and your listeners. Thank you very much for joining me. Well, John, I'm dismayed when I I read news uh, today that uh, there's a change in the taxation when it comes to mum and dad helping out children get on the property ladder. What's happening, John? Okay, it's a very interesting uh, topic, to be honest, because up to now, when parents gave an interest-free loan to a child, uh, to their child to help them buy a house, the, the benefit in kind to the child was assessed as the interest the parent could have got if the money was on a deposit account. Mm. So 
current rates, Jerry, the very best uh, demand rate at the moment is 0.01%. Take the dirt tax off that. It's 0.0067%. So it's not going to be much of, of a, a, mm. a, a kind of a bill, interest bill for that child. However, next year, the BIK will be based on the rate the child would pay if it was a mortgage. Ah, so they're changing the rules completely yeah, here. So the, so, so the cheapest standard variable rate would be 3.15%. John, this is not helping yeah. anybody, is it really? Okay, there's a couple of things here. One, it's not really such a huge issue because many lenders, uh, and you know we represent most of the lenders, would not be happy to see a parental loan as part of the borrower's input to a house purchase. Do you know the way you've got three and a half times your income? mm if you had a car loan, 200 euros a month, uh, the lender will get 12 of those repayments, that's 2,400, and knock it off your income. Really? And that, that, that depletes your eligibility for mortgage borrowing you know, by 3.5 times. So therefore, you know, it's, it's, uh, if, if you had a loan then to your parents and you, you disclosed it as a loan, um, then it's, uh, you know, it's going to be taken off your income. And therefore, you're going to have less money uh, to be able to borrow. However, the thing is, what I'm finding is that, you know, the, the, the threshold that a parent, and they don't have to die, Jerry, so you can do, give this to all your kids as well, um, is 320, uh, 335,000 you can give to your child right now without having to die as part of, of their inheritance. It's, you know, it's exemption, you know, that they would be allowed to have it without tax. Anything over that, they pay 33% capital acquisition tax. So, John, but what you're saying is you must, it's not a loan, you give them the money. You give them the money, basically. Now, if, if for instance, uh, it's underneath, uh, you know, parents might be given thirty, forty thousand. 40,000. Yeah. Now, there's nothing to stop the child giving a few bob back by way of um, love and affection for their parents mm. without actually purporting it then to be a, an interest on the, on the, the, the money. So if it's thirty, forty thousand, 40,000, that ch- parent can give that uh, child the thirty, forty thousand 40,000 under the inheritance rule. And it, it, it won't. But if they say that this is a loan, it's a different kettle on. OK, so the loan option is that. And, you know, maybe parents are tight enough. And, you know, if they were to give thirty or 40,000, that's money they've put away for their uh, later life themselves. And really only they can give it as a loan format. But, you know, do you, must you declare that? Well, you'd have to, if it's a loan facility that, you know, they want back, yeah. um, the, it would affect the uh, applicants who are looking for the mortgage. Okay. So it'll affect them, number one. But number two, uh, it would be far easier for that parent or parents to give the money and say it is a gift under the exemption rule for inheritance. Okay, so that's your advice today, that to steer away from this loan thing at at all costs. Okay, you know, for every, you know, 100,000, you're going to be paying, you know, 3,150 a year. Mm. And you you don't want you don't want that at all. So the the message from uh, John Lowe today is Give it as part of the 335,000 that you're able to yeah. bequeath to a child anyway. Yeah. Y- you know. That's another thing then, Jerry. If they did go ahead with the 3,150, um, they had to pay every year on 100,000 and they borrowed 100,000. The parents can also give back their child 3,000 a year under the gift tax exemption. <laughs>
Okay, so that yeah. is that. I, I've I've known about that. That is always there. Uh, just three thousand. No, not a penny more. Not a penny less. That's yeah, the. Though that supposedly uh, was, uh, I think the finance bill may still come out with it yet. Uh, Maybe going up to five thousand. Okay, but at the minute you can give any child up to three thousand a year with no tax implications on either side. You can give anybody, including me. <laughs> John, John, Coles to Newcastle and Newcastle have enough money now with their new owners anyway. But uh, you got, uh, John, John, don't be coming on here crying the poor mouth on late lunch this afternoon. Well, I, I've got to try once or twice, Jerry. You know, you, you, you have been taking money off me off the golf course, so I've got to get it back some way. I have to hand it to you. But look at John, overall, you know this from uh, dealing with people. Um, when 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 um, uh, an amount of money is given by parents to children in terms of a transaction to buy a house, yeah. that has to be signed off on everything in a proper manner, doesn't it? Well, it, it, it actually, you're right because if if there is a parental gift, yeah. it has to be actually written and signed by the parent to give to the child, so the child can go to the lender uh, or to, to the likes of ourselves to give to the lender, um, saying that this is uh, a gift. And as I say, the threshold is 335,000. I believe it or not, I'm coming across some parents who are wealthy enough who can actually give that without having to worry about the future. Mm, and, and, you know, aren't they so fortunate that they can do that? But I know you have to sign it off because uh, I think it comes in under the legalities that uh, you might uh, sometime down the road claim that you have an interest in the property. You know what I mean? That's exactly why. But because you have no interest, this is a, a pure gift. Mm. And therefore, um, because if, for instance, there was a right of residence, that would be another disaster because the lenders don't like that because it means that their their uh, security is compromised. Yes, yes. So look at what your message today to everybody is. Uh, there are ways around this. Don't be alarmed by the headline. Do it in a different fashion. Do it in a different fashion. You can. There's many ways around that, but you won't have to, uh, you know, kind of go to the rigmarole of saying that this is a loan and you're going to mm. be paying, you know, minimum three three percent plus. Yes, you know, a year, and and you know would alarm me because without help, uh, an awful lot of young people, because of the situation we find ourselves in today, I don't have to tell you, John, wouldn't be able to get their foot on the ladder with some without some assistance. That's it, exactly. But you know, don't forget this also that from the parental point of view. Um, those parents have come through one of the worst recessions ever, yeah. like fourteen years ago, mm. and and they're still. Uh, you know, I'm I'm a pip as well, as a personal insolvency practitioner, and I'm still coming across people who have negative equity in their homes and they still can't and they're still paying a mortgage and they're in well in their 60s yes and uh, it's uh, an awful situation to find yourself in when you never expected at that time of your life to be yeah, uh, you know shackled those pe- kind of people can't afford yeah, to yeah. give a few bob away to their children much and all as they would love yes to. yes and uh, there are a lot of people in, in that boat as well you won't go wrong by checking out moneydoctors.ie that's moneydoctors.ie Mr Lowe and his team will be only happy Happy to look after you. John, you're great. Thank, Thank you for you joining so me. Thanks a lot, Jerry. Talk to you again Good soon. Luck, Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That is Mr. John Lowe there, good friend of ours on Late Lunch, bringing to an end uh, Tuesday's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Tomorrow on the show, Graham Geraghty is joining us. Well, I don't have to tell you, the man has been through the mill uh, in recent times and he's going to talk about uh, what happened to him and how he is now. Adrienne Riley, O'Reilly, Adrienne O'Reilly is with us. She's the new CEO of Dignity for Patients. She's from the North East. And Emma Jane Clark will be with us too. She's using horses to help us 
human beings in terms of different aspects of our lives. She's a very interesting woman. My artist of the week and I'll have a 100 euro Love Drogheda gift card to give away to one of you as well on late lunch midweek Wednesday. Eddie Caffrey's coming next with the drive. He's raring to go. I'll be back uh, with Louise tomorrow at 1.30. Have a nice evening. Take care of yourselves. See you Wednesday. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drada Dundalk and Cavan. Let Blackstone Motors find the perfect car for you. With over 300 cars to choose from, we have the biggest selection of pre-owned cars in Drada Dundalk and Cavan. Low APR and zero deposit packages available. See blackstonemotors.ie for more details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.